Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz saxophonist Arthur White. This solo artist, composer, and band leader will be released on the Artist Recording Collective label in 2017. He's originally from Kansas. He got his Bachelor of Arts in Music from Emporia State University, his Master's of Music in Jazz Pedagogy from the Western Virginia University, and a doctorate and saxophone performance from the University of North Carolina. He keeps his home and roots firmly planted in the Midwest, residing in Columbia, Missouri, and over the years he's performed with the best around, like Randy Brecker, Bobby Watson, Russell Malone, Mike Matheny, and the great Jimmy Green. For seven years, he was the Director of Jazz Studies at the University of Missouri, Columbia. He's always at it, getting jazz out there to both the fans and students, so please get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Thank you for taking some time out for me today. I appreciate it. It's, oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to do so. I haven't uh, haven't done an interview in a while, so it's uh, so uh, hopefully my 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 speaking ability doesn't completely suck. No, I'm sure it's going to be good, man. So let's kick everything off here. And from what I understand, you were going to be releasing your first solo release in 2017 on Artist Recording Collective. Tell me about that and how that's going. Yeah, uh, I'm excited about it, and thanks for asking. It, it, it's going to feature um, a bunch of really fantastic uh, Kansas City-based musicians, uh, myself and uh, my guitarist, uh, William Flynn, who teaches at Wichita State University and is a marvelous guitarist. Um, uh, the pianist is Alyssa Murray. She's a UNKC graduate, uh, studied with Bobby Watson and Dan Thomas, and she's a, a guy I just love working with her. Uh, she's an amazing um, pianist. You can hear her really working on her craft in 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 performance. It's in performance, and it's really it's pretty inspiring, actually. Plus, she's a marvelous thing, and I just love working with her. I rotate a few bass players: uh, um, Andrew Stinson and Sam Copeland. They're two uh, young Kansas City based musicians, bass players that are fantastic. And Sam was actually a student of mine for five years at the, at the University of Missouri when I taught there. And, uh, and of course, then two of the best drummers I've ever played with in uh, John Kazillamoose and uh, Marty Morrison. So I've got these amazing people. We went into the studio a little over a month ago. I recorded ten original compositions, seven of mine, two of Williams, and one of Alyssa's. And we're going to release it uh, at some point this fall on the ARC label, uh, Chris Burnett's label. And I'm really excited about it. And, uh, Excited to let people see what this band's capable of. That sounds exciting, man. Let's go back in your lineage. You're based out of Columbia, Missouri right now. I'm currently living in Columbia, but I'm a, I'm a little nomadic in, in that I'm, a, I'm, I'm traveling a lot of places these days, which is uh, pretty crazy, especially at the age of 47, to, uh, to reinvent yourself as a musician, a performing musician who tours after being in jazz education for as many years as I was is, is kind of a is is a bit of a it's 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 just a little crazy but I but I'm loving every minute of it. So currently based out of Columbia but we will uh, we'll see what the future holds. Well and everything started out for you in Kansas, correct? I'm a native of Kansas, uh and it, I still call it my home really. I'm a, my mom and dad live in uh my the same house I grew up in in uh, in Osage City, Kansas, just south of uh, Ottawa, Kansas, uh, a small town uh, with, as you can imagine, not a lot of jazz happening there. But I was fortunate to have some pretty great mentors um, uh, in high school, uh, be able to get a chance to really learn the craft for some, uh, from some pretty great people. Um, Craig Trinan uh, was one of my first teachers and, and is still, to this day, one of my dearest friends. He's the director of jazz studies at Washburn University after being a student there. 
himself, and he and I hit it off when I was in high school, and it's kind of odd that our families have known each other for many, many years, so it felt like I was just studying with my brother, really, and and, and, it just, uh, and he was really one of the first catalysts, I'll, I'll say. That and Charlie Parker, honestly. My high school band director, Sid Allison, gave me my first Charlie Parker record and uh, said, listen to this, and it, it, it blew my mind. I was a... I was trying to uh, play rock and roll at the time, and then I heard this record, and it was all over for me. It was, it was a love, it's been a love affair with jazz ever since. Well, and you went on from there. You've got a bachelor's in music from Emporia State. You've got a master's from West Virginia University. You've been in education your whole life. Yeah. And you're, saying, and you're saying now that you're getting into that realm of releasing albums and all that. What was it about your life that kind of lent you to be more in the education realm as far as pursuing degrees and teaching? It's a great question. Um, you know, I am I am uh, grateful to um, all of my teachers, and, and of course to the to the twelve years I, I taught in higher education, both at Northeastern State University in uh, Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and at the University of Missouri here in Columbia. I, I I ran across some amazing students. I did eleven solo. I did eleven big band records, if you can believe that. I did eleven big band records with with college students and some of the great. Uh, jazz musicians in the world, and after reflecting on that a little bit and and, and needing some overdue time off, I just thought it was uh, time to do my own thing for a while and and be be completely responsible for my career rather than you know at that moment being uh, responsible for you know trying to put another big band record out, and so it, it just became a. Uh, um, an opportunity that my wife and I discussed, and we just and couldn't turn it down. So I became, last year, I became a, a full-time musician again for the first time in, well, years, really, since I've been teaching. Uh, so and it's, a, it's definitely a, a labor of love, and it, it, it's, been a, it's been a pretty wonderful transition. Uh, and, I, and, and it really, I think, will give me um, energy to go back, and plus new experiences to, you know, when, I, when I do... Uh, Go back into into the teaching profession again, and I absolutely intend to do that. But this little uh, this little sabbatical I'm, I'm I'm taking for myself has been wonderful. Plus, I uh, I have a five year old son, Sam. Uh, Sam just started kindergarten, but all of last year I got to be at home with him two days a week, which was also part of the agreement. So I got to be a stay at home dad. And how many how many dads actually get to say that they can be at home like that? And then I have an amazing wife who was really supportive of that. So it, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of things converged at once, and I'm, I'm just excited for uh, the opportunity that I had last year, and I'm even more excited this year with this new record coming out. Well, even though you've been in the classroom, you haven't had any shortage of sharing the stage with a lot of names like Randy Brecker, Bobby Watson, um, Robin Eubanks, Mike Matheny. The list goes on and on. So let me ask you this. What have you learned on stage? You know, being in front of a classroom is one level of learning, and as you know from sure. – that real Phil Woods kind of style of thought where the real classroom's on the stage. What have you learned playing with a variety of folks on the jazz stage over the years? You know, um, I think I've honestly learned, um, aside from seeing these incredible world-class players, and that's why I always brought those sorts of players to work with my students because they're the real deal. You know, they they have incredible stories on, uh, of their own. They have these experiences that you know, truthfully uh, can't be matched in the classroom. Um, but it also reinforced that I am happy as a jazz educator because all of these guys are doing that very same thing on some level, whether it's 
you know, doing what, um, what, say, for example, Robin, Robin Eubanks does, where he goes to, uh, um, he travels all over the world doing, uh, doing teaching seminars and workshops and in clinics and guest artist residencies. He also has a full-time teaching job when he's not touring. Uh, at Oberlin College, he teaches at the Conservatory of Music there, and he's and he really he brings that that you know that quote real world experience to every lesson he teaches, to every um, aspect of of his uh, his educational output, and I think that that's pretty impressive. You know, there could be a guy like Randy who who really has sort of emerged as a clinician in the last few years, but didn't really build his a uh, uh, career around that initially, of course. You know, touring with Horace Silver and and then the Brecker Brothers and all of the and helping really be a, a seminal figure in the in the fusion movement as it emerged in New York in the '60s after Miles put out um, In a Silent Way and Bitches Brew. Um, you know, you see Randy now taking those experiences to the classroom and to seminars, but he's a natural. He's truly a gifted speaker and and um, and, and, and teacher. And so you you take some all of these experiences, and it also kind of, for me, reinforced that I'm, I might be doing something right. You hear a lot of the same stuff from clinician to clinician talk about what they do in their own in their own practice sessions, in their own um, gig you know gig searching, their own hustling for gigs, their own uh, writing. Um, you know, their own composition uh, breakdowns and seminars. And so you hear all of these things and you go, yeah, you know, this is, or even just something as simple as like transcribing a solo. And you know that you're teaching at least some of the, some of the things that these guys are doing. And so it's, a, it's really sort of a reinforcing thing for me. So up to this point in your life, how do you feel about your career? How do you feel like things have, have happened? It seems like your first solo album at this stage in life probably has to be totally a wondrous thing for you to be able to do after all these years being in front of students. How do you feel about things? You know, I've been threatening to put out a solar record for at least 15 years now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they say threatening because it just never uh, became a priority. It, you know, honestly, it became, it always became a secondary pursuit. I mean, writing and, co- and composing really has been a, a, a feature of mine for the last few years and, and particularly big band uh, composition and arranging and I've had some, you know, really great opportunities to write for uh, some amazing people and get some stuff out there. But it, 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 that always became the priority, and, and I always put my own career and my own, my own goals, my own personal goals second. And, and, and truthfully, it, it, became, uh, it became a necessity to, um, to finally say, whoa, I have to do this. And it's not because of an age thing. I plan on living... You know, many, many years, and, uh, and I, I think I'm, I'm in pretty decent health. I'm in great health. I'm in pretty decent shape for an old fart, and I'm getting a, a lot of, uh, and I'm getting a lot of things emotionally and, and, and mentally in check, too, which is also part of the, 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 the whole of me. I have to take care of myself in all those, in all those areas and realms, and, and, and so, so this is really just a, uh, it's, it's a long overdue thing, but it is also part of my own my own journey. And, and I think everybody's got to take their own path. And if you don't know what that is, for me, uh, for so many years, it has been in jazz education, and I have absolutely no regrets. And like I said, Joe, I want to go back eventually. I want to find the right situation for me and find the right thing to do. But ultimately, I do see myself back into a classroom. But this, but this, uh, 
like I said, this sabbatical uh, that I'm on um, is is doing wonders for my for my uh, for my health, for my well being, for my family, and and it's done wonders for me as a as a full time musician and uh, and saxophonist. I'm, I'm actually practicing like two or three four hours a day now, and, and budgeting that along all of these other things that that you are expected to do as a professional musician. So it's it's been such an, an amazing transition. And like I said, I think it's gonna help me when I get into the when I get into the classroom again that I can actually say I've I've been experiencing this for the last couple of years. Here's how the music industry has changed. Here ha here is what you need to do as an entrepreneurial musician in the twenty first century to grow and and work and be successful and thrive as a musician, not just, you know, survive. So let's stay outside of the classroom and stay, and let's go into kind of a, a fantastical realm here. And let me ask you, if you can get to a time machine, the, the jazz DeLorean, and go somewhere and see a show, see a musician and jazz, where would you go? Who would you see? You know, I've been asked that by my students a lot, and I, I honestly don't know if I can answer it. Truthfully, I'd rather go in the future and see what's happening. I am I'm more curious about some of uh, the... Uh, um, uh, the younger players, they, of course, you know, it would be amazing to see, I think one of my heroes, strangely enough, is Art Blakey, as a, you know, one of the great timekeepers and, and jazz musicians, and his ensembles were, are, are critical to me, um, uh, in terms of, uh, a lot, of a lot of my early composition output. Um, so I'm, I'm really, I would love, of course, to see Art Blakey's jazz messengers, uh, with, with, um, with, say, Wayne and Lee Morgan and, and Bobby Timmons on piano. And, um, but, of course, and you know, you can always say Bird Coltrane, Diz, uh, and all of these musicians, but truthfully, I would, I would hop forward a few years, maybe 10, 15 years to see where the music is going. I think that that's where, and, and, and truthfully, I think, uh, unfortunately, jazz tends to live in a bubble sometimes. And for better or for worse, it's not, uh, you know, we, we want to be respectful of the, uh, of the timeline that's been established, so we should respect it and, and we should acknowledge it as as a as a music that comes from Black culture that is absolutely 100. Uh, it has been cultivated through a number of these crazy experiences, um, but we also want to recognize that the music does need to evolve, and that's one of the things I'm, I'm about. I want to learn from from my contemporary uh, contemporaries and my and, and my students, really, I want to see where they take the music. And I'm, I'm very curious. There's such a great, and Kansas City is one of these, I mean, because I've had a chance to observe it for the last, you know, several years. I get to see not only these amazing, uh, elder statesmen like Bobby Watts, and of course, Mike Matheny's been there for a number of years, and both are dear friends, uh, of mine, uh, but you also get to see these young players like Herman Mahari and Logan Richardson and, uh, Devon Hennicott all come out of Kansas City, and you get to see the current wave of young players that are there uh, doing amazing things. Uh, Clint Ashwalk running the Kansas City Jazz Orchestra, um, Ryan Heinlein's Project H. Um, you get to see the history develop in, uh, you know, and live it almost when you're, when you're down on 18th and Vine at the Blue Room playing, but you also get to um, experience these really kind of, and, and you get to, you know, sort of see a, a history unfold with uh with uh, with the Green Lady Lounge uh, as a speakeasy and the, and the, and the just the wonderful vibe that that creates. But there's also venues that are taking chances with with new music. I love everything Jeff Harshbutter does. Really, he's one of my one of I, I just admire that guy to no end. Uh, I've, I've known Jeff since he was in high school at Newton High School, and uh, and known him through jazz camps and watching him evolve through uh, being you know one of Kansas City's top 
uh, exports really uh, has been just this amazing experience. So I, I love seeing where the music goes and how how creative it can get and, and where, you know, those guys are taking it. So, so we could be forward about 50 or 60 years. I'm definitely curious to see where it goes. Beautiful. Well, let me get to the crux of you. You know, everyone has a version of who you are, your family, your friends, your students, those that are going to hear your music on the CD you release. Mm-hmm. But who do you think you are? When you wake up and face today, who are you? In progress. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I know, cliche as that may sound, it's, it's the truth. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I want to continue to evolve as a musician and as a, uh, and as an educator, uh, teacher, husband, father, son, friend. All of these are incredibly important to me. So I'm, I'm continually trying to get better. And I didn't see myself doing that at, you know, I wasn't like that necessarily at 21, 22. Uh, yeah, and what young guy really is if they're, if they show some talent, but you know, they, they, I uh, mean, for me, I just, I wasn't as driven then as I am now. I'm, I've been, mo- I'm motivated to be successful. So truthfully, you know, the, hopefully the best version of me is to, is to come. And so that's why I say in progress because I'm not, I'm not done as, you know, by any stretch of the imagination done learning, um, assimilating, hopefully, uh, innovating to create my own style. I'm still figuring out who I am as a player, even though I've, uh, I've got all these deep influences from, from, uh, Joe Henderson and Michael Brecker and, and John Coltrane and Charlie Parker and all these wonderful, innovative saxophonists. I am still learning to, I'm still learning their stuff and I'm looking, I just love the new batch of, uh, so, so many amazing players out there, uh, Walter Smith III and Chris Potter and, um, ben Wendell and just these incredible young players that I, I just I get such a kick out of. So I'm a, I'm I'm I'm, I'm it's definitely in progress. I think that's a good way to put it. Right on, that's perfect. That's a great way I think to wrap everything up. You Arthur, thank you for taking some time out, opening up about the new album and your life in jazz. I appreciate it. Joe, it's my pleasure. Thanks for talking to me. I'm a, I'm grateful to chat, and I hope we get a chance to do it again soon. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Columbia, New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Arthur for his time, his stories, and his music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.